HCIC Next is a podcast focusing on how digital leaders are reshaping marketing and the healthcare industry. This podcast series shares information about the innovations that are happening today in digital marketing and also helps you understand how to apply what has worked in other health systems across the country to your very own organization. The episode you are about to hear was originally captured at the 2019 Healthcare Internet Conference in Orlando, Florida. The title of this session was Secrets of a Hospital Video Gone Viral, Insider Tips for Getting Your Message to Millions. And it was presented by Lindsay Kurz, the Senior Public Relations Specialist at Seattle Children's, and Kim Griffiths, CEO and Executive Producer at Healthcare Video Edge. Let's give it a listen. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kim Griffiths. I am with Healthcare Video Edge. And it was my team and I who produced the video that we're going to be showing you today and talking about that video that went viral. How many here have had a video go viral? Oh, Ooh. good, good. That's, that's great to see that many. So you guys are into video. This will be fun then. Um, it is pretty rare to have it go viral like that. Um, and you know, I have a video production company, and so sometimes I get people who call me and say, yes, we'd like to talk to you about producing a video for us, and we would like this video to be viral, please. And of course, we have to tell them, you know, it doesn't really work that way. It's not always <laughs> as easy. It's not a box that you can check. In fact, it's a little bit like winning the lottery. Now, anyone won the lottery <laughs> by chance? No? You'd be out in the, the lazy river with a drink probably if you had, right? Um, <laughs> There's a lot of luck involved with a video that goes viral. But if you ever did meet someone who won the lottery, you sat next to them on a plane or you, you were in a room with them, you might be kind of curious about, so how did you pick your numbers? Or how often did you, do you buy the tickets? Just if there's any little nugget that you can get um, you know, for, for maybe what they did that might help you win the lottery someday. Um, that's what we want to be for you today. We won the video lottery about a year ago, it was almost exactly one year ago that a video that we did together was released out into the world. In fact, it was November 8th of last year that it went out into the universe and started its journey. And over that last year, we have learned some things together that we think helped create a little bit of that luck. Some things that happened, some things that maybe we helped make happen that we think contributed to the success of that video doing so well. So we want to share some of those things with you today, some of the things that we learned so that you too might be able to have perhaps another video lottery win. So we're just going to jump into it. We're not going to waste any time here. Um, we're going to get into this case study of how we took a simple story lead and turned it into a video story that made it one of Seattle children's most successful and most shared stories ever. So as Kim said, it was about a year ago. It was actually late August. Um, we were actually leading into the Labor Day weekend. And um, it all started with an email. And this email may feel familiar to some of you in the room. Um, we get story tips like this you know, all the time from our clinical leads, our doctors. And you know, if you're reading it short, it sounded interesting, right? You know, there's elements of it, awake surgery, mapping her singing skills. But it didn't necessarily start off as something that had viral written all over it. But we dug in, we learned a little bit more, and it turned out to be a really good story. And here's what that story turned into. I've been doing musicals since I was six. It's your passion. I think it's one thing I'm actually good at. I act and I sing, and that's just kind of been my like brand since elementary school. Whatever it is, it just feels like a light switch just switches in my brain, and suddenly I'm tone deaf. I can't sing, I can't process the words in time with the music. fairly confident that it can be easily removed. The, the tricky part is that of all places in the brain to be located, it's her right temporal lobe, which in Kira's case controls all her auditory senses. So her ability to, to process sound, to sing, to sing on key, all of that potentially could be compromised. 
<laughs> I know it's a cruel, sick joke that it would happen right there on the one thing I'm actually passionate about. They're going to wake me up during surgery and have me sing. We're going to test her ability to sing and listen to music while she's awake in the operating room, not feeling any pain, not feeling any discomfort, but gives us the ability to be able to see what areas of her brain are important <laughs> for this function so that we can preserve them. Our focus is not only on taking care of the tumor, but on making her life better and preserving the things that she cares about. Is she waking up? Yep. Kara, your brain is beautiful. Can you see it? I'm looking right at it. Day 12. You're doing great, Kara. Beautiful, that's day 14. very encouraging uh, to hear someone, you know, only two days after surgery, after brain surgery, that's able to, you know, sing and, uh, and communicate musically uh, in such a strong, strong way. She seems to be doing quite well. That's the goal. We want to get them through this, remove the tumor, let them move on with their lives. I see Kira coming back better than ever. So I loved watching some of the reactions to the story. I, I still get emotional, though, you know, every time I watch it, even though I've probably seen it like upwards of more than 100 times. Um, we were really excited about how the story turned out. You know, even when we saw the rough cut, we, we knew we had something pretty special on our hands here. And so we came up with a distribution plan that just first started with us sharing the video on Seattle Children's brand channels, our YouTube, our social media accounts, and our blog. And at the same time, we also shared it with a few select digital media outlets. And that's when the magic happened. You know, not only was it a fun story to tell, but it was a story that led to incredible media coverage that positioned Seattle Children's as a compassionate, innovative destination for pediatric brain surgery. And really, what more can you ask for than that? Um, so this is, these are just a few of the highlights that we want to share with you when all was said and done. It was a Thursday evening in November when Seattle Children's posted Kira's video on its website, blog, and social media channels. The first few days proved the story struck a chord. Positive comments, likes, and shares added up. Then Inside Edition posted the video. The next day, People.com. Washington teen is recovering after she sang her way through brain surgery. A brain tumor impacting the 19-year-old's ability to sing. The goal? To preserve her voice. News outlets and social media sites all over the country. All over the world picked up the story. It seemed everyone was talking about Kira and Seattle Children's. Seattle Children's Hospital. This was a first at Seattle Children's Hospital. The Seattle Children's. Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Business Insider. 
A version of the video shared on Facebook by Now This News received 1.3 million views in the first 24 hours it was posted. The band Weezer, whose song Kira sang in surgery, retweeted the Seattle Children's blog post and the Huffington Post article to its 1.7 million followers and invited Kira to a performance. Live from Studio 6A, The Today Show called. Today. Kira, her parents, and Dr. Hauptman starred in a live interview on national television, which generated even more international, national, and local interest. I haven't had a single seizure. Oh, that's okay. Visits to the Seattle Children's Neurosciences pages spiked. Dr. Houtman's profile got more than five times the normal views. When the frenzy began to settle months after the initial post, here are the numbers. Potential online reach of all stories, more than six billion, with a B. Social shares, upwards of 89,000. 305 earned media stories. Total earned media reach, more than 487 million. Total earned media estimated publicity value from just one story, more than half a million dollars. So obviously the video did well in terms of the extent of the coverage. It got a lot of eyeballs on it. But what was really exciting for Seattle Children's and for us, of course, was the quality of the coverage that it received. This wasn't just a music video that was shot in the hospital or a certain happening in the hospital. This was a carefully messaged and branded piece of content that said exactly what Seattle Children's wants people to hear about them. And so that's what made it really exciting. Um, we want to start to dig into kind of the anatomy of this video and some of the key things that we think helped make it have the success that it did. Um, talk about finding the good stories within your health system, creating a culture of storytelling so that these kind of, of, of pieces come to you and you're able to um, capture them in a way that makes people want to share them. The telling of the story, you know, how to get the messaging in there, but not too much messaging, not the kind of things that are going to make people less likely to share it, because that was one of the things that we think was important in this. Um, making a very strategic release plan and what to include when you release the story. She, uh, Lindsay included a lot more than just the story itself. Um, and then pitching of the story to, to have all these things come together so you could have more success when you do have a story like this. Oh yeah, start with the story. So, at the heart of almost every viral video is a really, really good story. And I truly believe that every one of you has stories like this happening in your hospitals, in your clinics, in your healthcare systems. The procedures, the treatments, the providers that you have, they are transforming lives. And therefore, those stories are there. You just don't always know about them. Yeah, and I, to back up what Kim just said, at the heart of every good story is really that human element. You know, that a human is at the center of these stories, something that people can really relate to. And I think I'd be oversimplifying if, if I just said, hey guys, you know, go out, engage in regular story mining. Um, you're likely already doing that. What I want to talk a little bit more about today is how do you begin to create create a culture within your organization that celebrates great stories so that you can get more of them and people see how they perform and see how they benefit the hospital and then they'll keep coming back to you with those story ideas. So it was no accident that that neurosurgeon, and I'm, I'm talking about a neurosurgeon here, guys. <laughs> They're not exactly the most you know, personable people. Um, it was no accident that he, <laughs> I, I see that we work with a lot of neurosurgeons in this room. <laughs> um, you know, um, it was no accident that he came to us and that he came to us ahead of time um, when he knew he might have something that was interesting. And at Seattle Children's, you know, we're constantly stiffing out good stories. You know, I really think it's something that we do well. And that's our primary storytelling is through our patients and our families. There's no better way to tell, you know, about all of Seattle Children's great stories than through the people that receive those services. 
And one of the ways that um, I think is just a really simple way that we do a good job at this is that we recognize that good stories come in from many different channels, right? Um, I'm on the PR team. You know, stories don't just come in through PR. Yeah, sure, we get a lot of them. Um, but our social media team is also finding great stories just through user gen content. They're also finding, um, our foundation is finding great stories. Our internal team, our video team, you know, everybody's coming across these amazing patient stories inside our, our hospital. So one thing we do is we hold regular cross-marketing departmental um, content collaboration huddles. And these are quick huddles that allow us to share and swap these story ideas just as they're coming in. And this gives us an opportunity in case we get a really good story like Kira's, we can all meet in advance and share some ideas of how we can make that story great. And then we also, you know, we also recognize that um, not every story that comes in through PR makes a great PR story. By sharing them in these forums, um, you know, maybe it makes a great, in an amazing internal story that they can just take and run with from there. Now, we can't just sit back and let people come to us, right? We also have to go out there and proactively mine for stories. And um, something that's really helpful is having a list or even just knowing who your go-to storytelling ambassadors are within your organizations. Maybe you support certain programs. Just getting to know who kind of, who are those people across your organization that get it? They know what makes a good story, right? They've, maybe they've delivered really good stories to you in the past, and um, they're really valuable resources, especially when you know maybe your uh, storytelling well is just getting a little bit dry. Um, it's a good time to just you know reach out to them, give them a little tickler, saying, "Hey, anything interesting coming up? Um, anything cool that you've been working on lately?" Or maybe it's more tied to seasonal angle. You know, maybe there's an awareness month, and I know we can all moan and groan at awareness month, but um, you know we find you know if we just reach out, you know, hey, February it's coming up, it's Heart Month. What amazing heart patient stories might we want to look at telling this month? And um, that just helps, you know, beginning to generate some of these leads, even when maybe it's feeling a little bit slow um, at that time. Now, again, in a hospital, this doesn't come second nature to everybody, right? Especially a lot of, you know, your doctors, your nurses, the people on the front lines of care, like, they're busy providing care. And knowing what makes a good story isn't always top of mind for them. So. Um, we find it helpful to just jog everybody's memory, and even we jog the storytelling ambassadors' memories, you know, about what types of stories tend to do well. What stories are we seeing, um, you know, really generate um, media stories or uh, external engagement? And essentially playing the role of what I like to call, like, good storytelling coaches. And that's why we created these five good story reminders. And, um, this is really simple, but we use these five good storytelling reminders anytime we're engaging in um, uh, story mining efforts. So this is in person, you know, when we're in our, our department, our clinical um, meetings, or maybe um, it's just over email. Um, and we'll tailor them to the, the people we're reaching out to, but I'll just read through them really quickly. Um, you know, it's compelling, overcoming the odd story, an innovative clinical approach was used. Uh, the patient received successful medical care that helped them achieve a key milestone or first. There was a heartwarming personal story. Or the patient greatly benefited from our unique services. And I think you can see from me just reading through this, like, they're not unique to Seattle Children's. Like, you could probably use these in your own organization. Um, you could probably add a couple of your own as well that you've seen that have done really well um, with the stories that you've shared. And, um, you know, I think, you know, in using these, I mean, we, we started using these about a couple of years ago. You know, we, we always kind of talked this through people with people, but um, we never put them down in like a concerted fashion and made a point of using them anytime we were reaching out to folks. Um, we really saw our story mining ROI increase. So that means we got less stories about robots and certifications. Okay, we got some of those. <laughs> but we had more stories with an actual human at the center of them, which goes a long way in creating a viral story like this. Yeah, and there's some other um, organizations that I work with that have other ideas for finding those good stories. And um, one of them, they, they've created a story ideas email address, basically, storyideas at xyzhospital.org. So anyone, you know, it can be a patient, it can be someone internally, can just email with an idea and say, hey, did you know that this is going on? Or maybe this isn't a good idea, but... Um, and they really... Um, pay close attention to that and respond to all of the ideas that come in 
Um, maybe they're doing some coaching to say, well, that's a good idea if we just had a patient or if we wanted to develop it more this way. And so the education continues as those come in. Sometimes it's a story that you know, maybe isn't going to be the next viral video, but it might be worth putting on the bulletin board in the lunchroom, or it might be a little something in the internal newsletter. So the people who are feeding you those ideas, um, you're engaging with them, and you're giving them feedback, and you're making them feel valued. And you, know, you kind of have that no bad ideas um, attitude about it that you know, keep the flow coming, and you can start to develop that storytelling culture, and people can start to um, know what it is you're looking for. Some organizations that I've worked with, they, they set up a little prize, um, like a quarterly prize for the best story idea that comes in. Um, and it's a prize like a $5 gift card or you know, something to the coffee shop or a vest with the hospital name on it or a silly trophy or something just so people can get competitive or people are thinking about it. Um, some groups have um, little get-togethers where they show videos that have done well from a clinic or a hospital or a health system and say, hey, this is something that we just saw on YouTube, and, and isn't this a cool story? You know, we have stories like this happening here. Keep your eyes out for it. Um, and then when you do have a win, um, when some idea comes in and it does really well, even if that just means it got a good placement on the local news or got a lot of likes on Facebook, um, celebrate that. And, you know, just tell people how much you appreciate them giving you these ideas. And before you know it, you'll start to have that culture. You'll have excitement around this kind of storytelling. Because um, video isn't going anywhere. You know, this is, this is a really great way to get messages out there about the good work that you're doing. So start to cultivate um, excitement around video and around storytelling. And, and it gets really fun. Yeah. Um, so you've done the legwork. And you have a good story that could be great. Now you just have to find the best way to capture that story and really capture those moments. Um, for Cure Story, we, we, we automatically knew that if we could get into the OR and film the story, it was going to be a home run. I mean, if we could capture some of those essential moments you know, of her singing, um, that we would have something on our hands that we could really pitch and that we could see going viral. Um, and so we knew we needed a team that uh, felt uh, with experience in the OR setting, um, that we felt confident that they could get those essential moments. I mean, we had one chance to get Kira singing. If we didn't get that, I, I don't think we would have had a story. We might have had somewhat of a story, but not nearly as good as this, right? Um, so that's when we reached out to Kem. Yeah, so um, our team has partnered with Seattle Children's for more than a dozen years on doing stories. And so we have shot neurosurgeries before. <laughs> We've um, been in the OR for heart transplants and kidney transplants and liver transplants and orthopedic surgeries and all kinds of things like that. So we were used to being in the OR. We knew um, how to identify a sterile field in there and knew that we weren't supposed to lean up against those or reach across those. And we knew how things went inside the operating room. Um, we knew we wouldn't throw up or pass out, things like that. <laughs> and the reason that I um, share this with you and tell you this is that I really want to encourage you, if you don't already have a really good video partner, and it could be an outside vendor, or it could be your internal team, or it could be you. Maybe you're the one that gets to take your iPhone in, and you're, you're it. Um, if you don't have someone who has experience in the places that you want to be capturing and telling these stories, figure out how to get them that experience. It may be bringing them in on a, on a, a low, um, a low stress project. Maybe it's a, a surgery that you would want to you know, just get a little bit of video of for your, for your library. Maybe it's a simulation that you bring a video crew in on so they get used to working around your team. Um, and it might not be the OR. It might be um, you know, in a hospital room. It might be in a clinic. It might be out in the community in just places and situations that you know that they, you want to start capturing these stories. So develop those muscles in your video team. Um, learn how you can tell these stories. Because like I said, video's not going anywhere. This is going to be a powerful tool for you. So if you don't already have those video partners, really, really work to get them the experience and the skills so that they're ready when a story like this comes along. And then get that crew engaged early. In this case, um, it was pretty early, but it was still a little tight. Uh, I got a text from Seattle Children's on a Thursday that said, could you be available with a crew on Tuesday morning for a neurosurgery? <laughs> Details to come. And so I'm like, yeah, we're in for that. That sounds good. And then later that day, or maybe it was even Friday, we got the details. And that's where my you know, storytelling excitement started. And I said, you know, this is going to be so cool. 
if we can get her singing, of course. But can, is there any chance that we can get with the family ahead of time? Because I knew that when she sang and when she hopefully had a successful surgery and was doing better, it was going to have a lot more meaning if the audience was connected to her already. If they understood her passion and they understood her problem and they saw Seattle Children's coming together to try to help her with this problem, um, the whole story was just going to have a lot more juice to it if we cared about Kira, if we got to know her. And I also knew that if, if we, the team, could meet the family ahead of time, we would have better access in the OR and after the surgery, and they would be more comfortable with us being a part of that journey, because it's, it's a pretty scary thing. It is brain surgery. <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, and then the other you know, part about getting the crew engaged early is to anticipate those technical needs. Every video is going to be different and have its own challenges. This particular one was trying to capture clean, good audio in an operating room. Um, and we were really nervous about that. Like, where do you put the mic? You know, We ended up having four mics in there. Um, and we had to have the blessing of everyone involved for that. We had to you know, sterilize them and wipe them down and hang them different places and all of that. But we knew that we couldn't miss the singing. We had to see her sing and we had to hear her sing. So again, every, every story is going to have different challenges. But getting your crew engaged early, having those meetings, having those brainstorming sessions, like how do we not miss this? How do we be sure that this is all worth it and we get that? And then the other thing is anticipating the moments. When you have someone who's experienced with um, working in your environment, then they know, you know, like for instance, we knew that uh, before the surgery, Kira would have some pre-op time with her family. And then there would be that moment that she'd have to say goodbye to mom and go into brain surgery. And we also knew just because of our experience with children's that she would walk to surgery. At children's, they don't get wheeled into surgery very often. They, if they're older, they walk. And if they're babies, they get carried by the surgeon or the anesthesiologist, which is a nice moment. So um, getting your video team involved early with the planning, with the strategy of the story, to identify all the different kind of things that you want to capture will really enhance your ability to have the elements that you need to tell the story that you want to tell. So if you've captured those elements, um, in this case, we knew that we wanted to get to know and care about Kira. We wanted to build some suspense because there was something at stake here. We heard the plan from the doctors. We watched the team work with expertise and confidence, so confident they could kind of dance long when they knew they had the tumor out. Um, and then we, we had the happy ending. We had all of these, what we call the big rocks of the story that we wanted to tell. So you have those rocks, those big um, elements of the story. Then it's time to basically decide how you tell the story. And for this show, Don't Tell, I really think it should say prove, don't tell. Um, we wanted this story to have that important messaging in there without us ever saying it. You notice we didn't have any, um, we didn't have the medical director in there telling us how great Seattle Children's is. We didn't have any statistics about how many neurosurgeries Seattle Children's does every year. We didn't have a mission statement in there. We never stated explicitly, this is a great place. These people are compassionate. These people are expert. These people take a team approach to get good outcomes. But it bubbled up in the story because we had the elements, we had the proof, the visual proof and the storytelling proof that that messaging just shined through. And I really believe that if we had shoved in there some of the things that really a lot of organizations want you to shove in there, kind of hijack the story with your branding and being too to um, hitting me over the head with the messaging, I think that would have ruined the impact of this story. I think people would start to feel sold to, or they'd start to feel a lot more like, you know, what are they trying to tell me? And they wouldn't get lost in the story. But we saw the comments, you know, trust your audience. They got it. We saw all the social media comments of, oh, they're so compassionate. Oh, Seattle Children's is such an expert place. It's so great. So that really came through. Trust your audience to get the messaging. If you've captured it, if you present it well, they're going to, they'll, they'll get it. Um, and then fight for the story. So this was a team effort, you know, keeping, you know, too many cooks <laughs> out, of, out of the story and focusing the story on just what you want told and not everyone who wants credit in it 
Um, that's where Lindsay and her team did a really good job of finding ways for people to, to chime in and be a part of this really important story, but not make it a 12-minute piece um, that got too bogged down. Sure, yeah. I mean, as you can imagine, um, with the patient's care, um, there's a lot of people involved, and especially in a case like Kira's, you know, we had, you know, the list was probably of essential people involved in her care is probably, you know, 10 to 15 people deep. And there was no way we could include all those people in this video or even get into some of the things that they thought was, that they thought were really important to highlight in this piece. And that's when you're kind of playing that political game, right? Um, you know, you can never make everybody happy, but how do you begin to give people credit where credit's due? Um, so we looked to our other channels. You know, we, we knew we couldn't fit them in the video. We didn't want to bog this video down. We really wanted, you know, media to pick up this video. And we knew if we put too many people in, too many talking heads like it would just be too much and you know I'd almost argue that maybe we had one too many in there anyways but she had a great soundbite so we went with it <laughs> um, but you know we looked to our other channels so our blog um, that's where we can go into a lot of detail more in depth about some of the things that our neuroscientist center team thought was really important to highlight for example we do this special type of imaging called fMRI imaging and that lets them pinpoint the areas of Kara's brain that are that's activated when she's saying so that kind of gave them the roadmap to know what to avoid during surgery and when they were doing the testing the functional testing that's what they could they kind of used as their guide um, we weren't going to go into that in the video there was no way we could do that and still keep the audience's attention and keep that drama going um, so we included it in our blog and really got to talk more about it and why it's used and how we're leading in this area um, and I felt like that gave us a chance to you know to let the people that weren't necessarily included the video but did contribute to Kira's care also contribute to the telling of the story and feel like they got their own little piece of it too and that brings us back to length you know originally um, when they talked with us about the video they said we want about a two-minute video I don't know if anyone was keeping score but it was a four-minute video <laughs> that we ended up producing and so, you know, we kind of took our first crack at it, at producing it and editing it. And I sent it to Lindsay and I'm like, it's twice as long as it's supposed <laughs> to be. So tell us what to cut. Because there were some people in there that had to be in there and some information that had, you know, we had to. Um, and we just, just tried to keep, you know, cutting the fat, cutting the fat. But we felt that the elements that were in there were needed to go to the next place and to, and to you know, tell the story. I mean, this is, again, where we we decided to trust the audience that there's this rule of thumb, you know, one minute video is perfect for um, social media, right? Well, okay, but if, it's, if, it's, if it feels long, one minute is too long. So we really um, just felt, let's, let's let the story tell itself, let's, let's see what the audience thinks, um, and, and really the story itself should dictate the length. And I think one of the validity measures there um, is that when we started to see the media coverage that came out about the story, they all stuck to about the same length or even went longer. So we, we knew we were onto something there. We weren't totally missing the point. Um, so, you know, Kim's done a great job at this point, and we are so excited with the video story we have on our hands. And um, we had a little bit of time to, you know, take a step back and really think about a strategy. How can we share this video as widely as possible? And you know, doing some of this pre-thinking and just planning really helped us get all of our ducks in a row in case the story really took off. Um, one of our goals for this story is that we wanted as many people to share this video on our behalf. And by people, especially in my role on the PR team, I was thinking media outlets. I wanted media to get a hold of this video and just share it like crazy. Um, and so one of the things we knew we had to do is we had to make this content as easy to share as possible. And so one of the things from the very outset that we asked Kim for is like, can we, in addition to the produced version of the video, can we just have a clean version of this video ready to go in case we're asked for it? And by clean version, I mean a version of the video that's stripped of any background music, stripped, stripped of any on-screen text. And that, you know, media outlets will request this um, all the time, I mean, all of the inquiries I received all request, requested a clean version of this video. And that is because they want to tell their own version of the story. So we gave them what they wanted and we allowed them to put, add their own voice to it, to really put their own touch on their story. And the same, along the same lines, um, we, you know, wanted to, we wanted to anticipate what are some of the other assets that we might be able to gather in advance that would, again, help media round out their story. 
And maybe some of these assets were assets that we had after the fact that we couldn't even include in the video. So they would give them this you know, new angle or that, a sense that they were telling a new story. Um, and one of the simplest ways to do that, and one of the ways we did this at Cure Story, is we just gathered photos, <laughs> still photos, um, snapshots. Um, we asked Kara for snapshots of her um, before surgery, you know, during performances that she might have on hand. We asked her to share photos um, while she was in the hospital. Um, we also asked for photos of her you know, while she was at home recovering. Those are photos that we couldn't include in this video because we were already um, in post-production by that time. And um, with those photos, once we had them all gathered, with the clean version of the video, we literally packaged those up and just uploaded them into, I'm gonna use a fancy term that was really simple, uh, a digital media kit. <laughs> and when I say simple, I mean simple. And it was essentially a Dropbox folder with a shareable link, <laughs> nothing fancy. Um, but it gave us a way to share those assets with media quickly. And it also gave us, you know, we were able to respond quickly. Um, they were able to get what they need and just and take over from there and really develop their stories. And I think um, this was really important to helping the story just kind of take off and gather momentum. But it also meant that we weren't scrambling in real time. When this story started, you know, gathering steam, if we had to take time to like start gathering all these things, reaching out to Kira to get these photos, reaching out to Ken to get a clean version of the video, I don't think we would have had the success that we did have. Um, this time is also just, you know, it's a good time to start thinking about when is the right time to release this video? And I, I'm saying this because after you're finished with it, you know, immediately after, isn't always the right time. Um, so be thoughtful about your timing. You know, it might make sense to hold a story like this. You know, maybe there is a milestone coming up for that patient um, that's in the future that you know that you can see that would give a news angle to the story. It'd give a new angle that they could take off and just use the video as part of their story. Or maybe there's a seasonal tie. Again, you know, I, we kind of laugh about it because it's so, um, you know, it's just so routine that we always talk about seasonal ties. But media are looking for those stories at certain times of year. And, um, you know, it could make a lot of sense to just hold and sit on that story for a bit. Um, there's also, I will say, there's also like nothing like striking when the iron is hot, especially when you have a story that has that suspense, that has that drama. Um, you want to keep that fresh and you want to keep that timely, especially when you want people to share your story. Um, so in Kira's case, um, we kind of found a balance between the two. Um, there were a couple reasons why we decided to sit on the story for a bit. Um, one, she just had brain surgery. <laughs> um, we all were hoping for the best outcome um, possible, but we didn't know for sure um, you know, what the pathology was going to come back as. Um, so we didn't make a plan to release this video immediately because we wanted to make sure Kira was doing okay. And if things just didn't go as planned, we wanted to make sure that we could adjust our strategy as needed. Similarly, um, if this story was really going to do as well as we thought it might, um, we knew she was going to get asked for on-camera interviews. I was anticipating that. And <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't imagine having to sit and do an on-camera interview like a week after brain surgery or two weeks after brain surgery. So um, she actually told me that she slept for about 12 to 14 hours a day for a whole month following brain surgery. So. Um, <laughs> We, it, her brain was rewiring in different ways. It's just really incredible. So um, that was another one of the reasons that we thought, you know, we need, we need to give a little bit of time to make sure Kira is ready for what might happen here. But we didn't want to wait too long, right? <laughs> she had an incredible story, and there is nothing like saying, like, she is just now recovering from brain surgery, and here she's doing these amazing things. So where we landed on, it was about, uh, it was about a month after we had the finished video. And um, that was at the beginning of November. And my initial thought was, oh, cool. You know, November. November's Epilepsy Awareness Month. <laughs> Who noticed epilepsy in that video? <laughs> Anybody? OK, good. You're paying attention. Um, that's because that wasn't our best angle, right? Um, you know, it turned out, you know, that just wasn't the strongest thing here. And where we really lucked out is that we were, you know, two weeks away from the Thanksgiving holiday. We were, you know, after Thanksgiving, we were rolling right into, you know, the Christmas season. And it turns out, media, really hungry for those, like, feel-good human interest stories around that time of year. So we were able just to ride that wave and take it through, you know, November, you know, all the way through January and even into early February. Um, so. You know, when you're thoughtful about your timing, you can really let that guide, you know, your decision about when you're releasing this video so that you can make the biggest splash. This is also a good time just to kind of do a little bit of like housekeeping. Um, one of the things we learned after the fact 
is that um, people were finding their way through search directly to Dr. Houtman, which was crazy. Like, we didn't, we didn't really expect that to happen. I didn't know, you know, was, I thought for sure they'd just be searching like teen and brain surgery or something. But that's why we saw the spike to his profile views. And now we know, okay, anytime we have people from the hospital in our video, we should just go on, check out their online profiles, make, their, make sure they're completely up to date, make sure they're accurate, you know, everything on there is what we want a million people to see, right? Um, we also had a very unique situation here that we were working um, with a teenage girl. Um, she had her own social media accounts. And, you know, it was a kind of awkward conversation on my, my behalf that I called her up and just had, you know, uh, you know, can we just take a look at your social media accounts and just make sure the photos on there are something that you're comfortable with your grandmother seeing? You know, we didn't want her to be subject to any negative comments. I mean, we knew they might come in and we prepared her for that too, but really wanted to help her, you know, kind of clean up her online presence in case they did, um, it did go crazy and people started, you know, searching for her and finding her own social media accounts. And we were fortunate in that the star of this um, particular video, she loved the stage. So she was pretty excited <laughs> about getting a lot of attention. Yeah, it was her brand, right? Yeah, so, so that, that really helped with this and she was okay with that attention coming. But um, the interview that we did with her prior to brain surgery was her first ever mm -hmm you know, official interview. And so we got to work with her on that a little bit too and say, you know, someone else, maybe the Today Show might come or something, <laughs> you know. Um, so she got a little practice with us and, um, you know, we just tried to prepare her for, yeah. for what could be to come. Yeah, and I think it was really key that she did that interview um, with, you know, friendly people for the first time. Because if she had to sit down with the Today Show uh, the very first time that she was doing the interview, I could see where she might be a little nervous, but she was incredible. She would just like, she'd be very, you know, baseline, you know, when you were talking to her at first, and then as soon as that camera was pointing at her, it just like lit up. She would just light up, and you were like, oh my goodness. Um, but it also, want, it also um, leads me to talk about another point is, this is a good time to, um, you know, thinking ahead, you know, having those conversations about what, what happens when um, media contact you directly, because um, I'm gonna be honest, like media will go around me. Like they're not gonna come to me all the time. They're gonna try to find Kira to tell this story. And she did get, you know, direct message on Facebook and everything. So by having those conversations in advance, we were, we were already planning for that. She knew that if she got reached out to directly, that she would just direct them back to our office and that we could handle them. And by just having that discussion in, in advance, it just meant that, you know, again, that we weren't leaving her to handle some of those trickier requests. We were also able to manage, you know, coordinating these requests and responding in a timely fashion, um, juggling scheduling. Um, Kara lived about two hours north of Seattle Children's, and so we were trying to time it so she would make one trip into Seattle to do on-camera interviews, so she wasn't making constant trips back and forth um, from the hospital to our home. Um, and we also, uh, you know, just, uh, there were some more sensitive requests, trickier ones, um, like exclusives, like, Kira wouldn't know how to handle those. So by, no, by having her just direct them back to that single point of contact, it really helped in that regard. So this is personally my favorite slide <laughs> because um, this is me every day. Um, I'm on the PR team. I feel like I'm an anomaly a little bit at this conference. I haven't met very many other PR people, but um, my role at Seattle Children's is really to um, take our amazing patient stories and amplify them through earned media and amplify them through some of our external channels, such as our blog and social media. And, um, you know, I think all too often you put all this work in at the beginning, you know, you found the story, you captured it, you told it, you've started thinking about how you're going to distribute it. And then you just kind of put it out there. <laughs> you, you know, post it on YouTube, you share it on social media, and you expect it to do all the work for you. And um, I think there's a way, a very simple way, that you can just engage in what I like to call a little PR 101. Um, my background's in PR, but I don't expect everybody to have a background in PR. And if, whether you work with an internal PR team, or you have an agency, or maybe you are the PR team, um, there's just some really easy ways to help share this story with um, media outlets um, that can really help it gather that momentum. So one of the things that I thought was interesting when we went back and looked at the timeline of how the story really took off is um, we had two earned media placements, like two stories I actually pitched. 
The rest, the other like 300 plus stories, were organic pickup. We were just responding to things in real time. And I think that's really important because this wasn't some big flashy PR campaign with this story. I wasn't pitching dozens of people. I didn't have a team of 20 helping me out here. And I, I was at a conference like this about a year ago, and I heard um, a speaker talk about you know, how you can have these really great video stories. And one of the first places that she always starts with on the media side is Inside Edition. <laughs> and I laughed because I was like, huh. Okay, last time I heard about Inside Edition, it was like that 1990s like tabloid TV show. <laughs> and um, I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to look into that. And you know what? It turned out to be a good tip because they also have a very hungry and robust digital media team. And they are looking for these stories. And they will pick up stories, video stories like this, where they can really run with it. Um, so digital, I mean, so Inside Edition was on my pitch list. And then I included just I, literally like a handful of other people like that and reached out to them with Kira's story. And it came as no surprise that Inside Edition was the first to share the story, and then it was followed closely by People.com, and that was another person I pitched. And um, it was really cool, because after that, that's when the requests started flooding in. I mean, we could see them. I mean, we probably got you know five to 10 requests a day from that point forward. Um, the Today Show called. They wanted Kira to come to New York. They wanted her surgeon to come to New York. And that's when I said, I'm going to New York too. <laughs> um, and uh, that was just really incredible. And it just went to show me that you just need to find a way to like light that spark to really ignite the wildfire. You don't, you don't need you know, a big dog like the Today Show from the outset. Some of these you know, one-off media places can really help um, gather that momentum again. And um, if you followed our tips from before in getting that good story, and you actually have a human interest story at the center of your healthcare video, that gives you an opportunity to look beyond healthcare too. And um, we, um, I don't think I pitched one healthcare reporter. I was like, nope. I was like, I have a great story here. I'm going for feature reporters. And um, I included them. But then when we start to see the requests come in, I also noticed business reporters were covering the story. I mean, we got Forbes and Business Insider covering the story. And then I got really excited when um, Billboard covered the story because I was like, oh, cool, Seattle Children's. I never expected that to be in Billboard. Um, so uh, it just, you know, thinking about other places beyond your own usual suspects can really help you reach new audiences. And that brings me to my next point. Um, a strategy that we used and that we planned for um, with this story is that, you know, Kira decided to sing a Weezer song. <laughs> I don't know how a 19-year-old really knew about Weezer and knew about that song. I mean, maybe she would sing Africa, but not <laughs> Island in the Sun. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we took that opportunity to tag them in our social media posts. And I will say, this is not something we do lightly, and it's not something we do all the time. But when we have a good case for doing so, um, I'll, I'll interact with our social media team, and we'll figure out the best way to do it. And I do really think that helped kind of uh, get us beyond our normal um, spheres of influence into a whole other dimension. And um, it was really cool. I mean, when I saw Weezer engage with our content, our blog, and our video, I was just like, wow. And then I saw them engage directly with Kara and just thought how special that was for her. They wished her a speedy recovery and invited her to a concert. But And you got to go to that concert, too. I did go to a concert. And it was like my first time backstage ever, so I was a little, and I'm, I was a little bit of a fangirl. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing, but <laughs> it was fun. And, um, you know, just by including some of that and not shying away from that pop culture and adding that to our content, we really help you know, gain traction with a whole new audience. And then it's not over till it's over, but an asterisk because is it ever really over? Um, we have this great story on our hands now, so we're always looking at new ways to repurpose this video and to you know, reshare this story. A good story is a good story. It's going to be a good story for a long time. Um, so one of the ways um, that I'm doing this right now is that uh, we have a follow-up story coming up. Like we have one of those milestones that Kira is finally reaching. Uh, next week, she'll be performing on stage and in front of her first major audience since her surgery. Um, she's going to be performing in a benefit concert for Seattle Children's, and um, it's really exciting. So um, just find different ways you can use that video. You can bet I'm dusting off that video and using it in my follow-up story that I'm planning. I've also learned how others across our organization are using the video as well. 
the neuropsychology team um, who helps plan these patients' surgeries are actually using this video as more of a patient education tool um, for other families that will be going through a similar surgery. It gives them some insight about what to expect. And I thought that was really cool. And they've gotten good feedback about that, that it helped them feel less scared about the procedure. We also, um, Kira is now a patient ambassador for our current um, capital campaign. And so our foundation is using this video too every time they're engaging with donors with Kira's story. And I think that just goes to show, like it really can justify putting the resources behind a story like this if you can find different ways to share it. And I know I'm continually now knowing how well this story did. I'm always looking for ways to incorporate videos into our PR stories that we're working on. Yeah, and that's another thing is when you, you have a video team that you like to work with internally or externally, um, really work with them on multi-purposing your video. It should never just be one video and it just goes and lives one place because you know even the stuff on the cutting room floor can really have a lot of value in other ways, whether it's raising morale within your organization or helping clinical teams explain a procedure. There's, there's lots to video. It does really have a good shelf life. So as you can see, we did get lucky with, with this particular video, but there are some things that we learned that we hope that there's a tip there somewhere that you can pack in your toolbox and take back with you to your job and get more out of the videos that you're producing in your organizations. Maybe go viral, maybe just, just have a lot of success with video. Um, the number one thing that we like to go back to is nothing beats a good story. So, so put your work up front into developing um, those, those strong storytelling skills. Um, having you know, teams of people who are feeding you good stories, um, get that culture going within your organization. Learn to anticipate the power of video, the visual moments, the storytelling that's possible with video that isn't really possible in, with a lot of other mediums. Um, develop those relationships with you know, strong video people. You know, bring them up from inside or partner with them from the outside so that you have this tool at your disposal and you're using it really, really well. Yeah, and reach high and plan for the best case scenario. And we took what we learned from this story and we've applied it to other stories. And not all of these stories are the same level of this story. Like they're not gonna go viral, but they may generate one or two really good media placements. And for us, that's a win. Um, so we use the sim same type of planning for those stories too that we used for Kira's story. We might not have engaged all of our teams as broadly um, and all of our channels. We might not have used all of them as broadly, but we do you know, put together the digital media kit. We do prepare assets. I just, for example, a non-video story that I worked on last week and something that we see all around the country, but um, our NICU babies in Halloween costumes, right? People love that story. So I just had our moms take photos of their babies in their costumes. I put them into a shareable folder and send it out to our local media outlets, our news desk. And we got two great media stories out of it. And so for about you know 15 minutes worth of my time, which was really awesome. Um, and then I can't reemphasize enough making it easy to share your content. Um, I think a lot of times we try to put layers in. We try to you know, be a little bit more in control of the story than we really need to be. If you have a good story there and you're giving media what they need, it is that, those messaging, that messaging is gonna come through those stories. Um, so think beyond, you know, what are some of those other assets you can provide to tell the story and trust your audiences and just have fun with your video stories. I mean, like I said, I'm always looking for new ways um, to tell our patient stories through video. It's a, you know, it's a, a medium that we've used for a long time at Seattle Children's, but we've just started recently using it for media pitching and it's really shown how powerful it is. HCIC Next is made possible by Greystone.net, the Healthcare Internet Conference, and Touchpoint Media. To learn more about this show and others like it, visit us online at touchpoint.health.